أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Dear brothers and sisters and welcome to our second session of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program In our previous session we made it to uh, page number 6 of the Holy Quran uh, I must remind all of us that we are going through each page of the Holy Quran and uh, trying to take a lesson away from each of these pages although as I've said before uh, this won't do justice to the Quran but it is a step in the right direction inshallah so we made it to page number six and we covered page number six and now inshallah today we want to continue with page number seven Page number seven is about, well, one of the themes in it, or one of the lessons we, we can take from it, has to do with the idea of holier than thou. What's going on here? Well, the Bani Israel, they were, a lot of prophets were sent to them, and uh, they were a chosen people according to the Quran. And so these people, of course, will see themselves as the highest of the people on earth. They will see themselves as being chosen by God. And so they will feel that they are the best of creation. Now when this happens, sometimes a problem will come up and there will be a little bit of an arrogance that one might develop and that arrogance will get in the way of one's own progress. And so we want to talk about that a little bit. Let's read the Arabic first, inshallah. It says, this is verse 44 of Surah Baqarah. أَتَأْمُرُونَ النَّاسَ بِالْبِرِّ وَتَنْسَوْنَ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابَ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Will you bid others to piety and forget yourselves? While you recite the book, do you not apply reason? So, as I said, the Bani Israel were the chosen people of God according to the Quran. These were a people who possessed the book. They possessed a divine book, a divinely revealed book from God. And so this will put them above the rest of the people out there. And so the Qur'an here though points something out about them that we as Muslims have to be careful of. And the, the verse is pretty clear. It says, you are telling people and inviting people to observe piety, to be righteous individuals and so on. And then you're forgetting yourselves while you read the book. You have the luxury of having a divinely revealed book. You should be at the forefront of development spiritually and progress yeah and religiosity and so on and so forth so you're ordering others to be good while you're forgetting yourselves this is one of the most important things that we need to keep in mind as Muslims as anyone who has any faith or even is a human being forget about even faith okay if a person worries about others and forgets themselves they're going to be in bad shape. Why? Let's talk about this a little bit. 
One of the problems that the religious people have, lots of times especially, they feel special about themselves. Why? Because they have, in their eyes at least, a connection with the Divine. Whether you're Muslim, you're Christian, you're Jewish, whatever you are, if you are from one of those Abrahamic faiths or one of those faiths that believes in a God, you will feel special. I mean, and, and you and rightfully so, to have a link through this religion to that divine power, that ultimate power which is God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever you want to call Him. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when religious people have this understanding that, okay, yeah, we, we're good, you know. It slowly reaches a point now, you can have arrogance, you might not have arrogance, but all in all you feel like you're set. Alright, you have the faith, but the faith has some fruits that, has, that you have to bear. Do you have those fruits? The fruits of faith and belief in God are things like humility, are things like helping others, are things like worship, there are things like piety and righteousness and all of these things. These are the fruits. And so if a person believes in the true faith and yet it's that person, they're not yielding these fruits, then it's going to defeat the purpose. This is a problem that we find with religious people. When I say religious people, meaning adherence to a religion, is that you, you might feel like you're set. I might feel like I'm set now that I am a Muslim. I am a Jew. I am a Christian. Whatever it is, we're talking about our brothers and sisters in the Muslim faith right now, you feel like there's nothing to worry about anymore. What happens here? When you feel like you're set, you start pointing out other people's flaws. You worry about others being righteous and pious, yeah? And you might forget about yourself. First of all, we as Muslims believe that the sky is the limit for us when it comes to our spiritual growth and development, okay? That's one thing to keep in mind. So. The more I worry about others, that means the less I'm worrying about myself. That itself is a problem. But a worse problem is when I, I have neglected myself to an extent. I, am, I have certain flaws within me. Forget about neglecting the higher levels of spiritual growth that I could have attained if I was worrying less about others. Forget about that. Right? Let's say someone is in a good shape but they can be even better. That's one thing. But what's worse is if you aren't even in good shape, you have flaws within yourself that you're not addressing, you're not fixing, and what happens is you're worrying about others. And unfortunately, I don't know what this is, this may be something psychological, we sometimes feel like we are doing good. We're getting in better shape when we point out others' flaws. Listen, other people having flaws, being good, bad, perfect, imperfect, that has nothing to do with you and your growth at the end of the day. This is something we have to keep in mind. So these people who are adherents to a religion sometimes, they'll fail to keep this in mind. That look, I have to worry about myself. I have flaws within myself. And this really echoes a hadith that I really love, where it says that, طُوبَى لِمَنْ شَغَلَهُ عَيْبُهُ عَنْ عُيُوبِ النَّاسِ Good for that person who their aib and flaw makes distracts them from, keeps them occupied from the flaws of others. Right? This person is like, I got enough to worry about. 
Let me worry about myself. Let me fix myself before I try to fix others. The Quran clearly says, Protect yourselves and your families first from the hellfire. Then worry about others. Yeah, But then this idea of holier than thou. I don't have to worry about myself because I'm one of the adherents of the faith. I'm a scholar. I'm this, I'm that. No, 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 no. We're all in the same boat and we have to worry about ourselves first. Yes, if a person takes care of themselves, right, figures things out for themselves, figures out what their flaws are, works on those, at the same time, okay, there's nothing wrong with helping others and uh, taking their hand. Now, of course, this is different than Amr bil-ma'roof and Nahi anil munkar in joining good and forbidding evil. That is a different concept itself. That is a fiqhi matter. That yes, if someone is doing something haram, something impermissible, willingly, knowingly, voluntarily, then yeah, if there's a chance that you can have an impact on them and stop them from doing that by letting them know what they're doing is wrong, then you have to let them know. That's different than putting on some glasses so that you can see other people's flaws and point those flaws out. This person has this behavioral issue. That person has a temper issue. This person's kids are struggling with this. That person's parents. That Pointing out other people's flaws, finding people's flaws, point, letting, pushing them towards piety and righteousness when you're forgetting yourself. The verse is saying that. You're forgetting yourself. You're not working on yourself. You're just working on others. That's not going to get you any, anywhere. And that's why the, the verse ends with, أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ do you not apply reason? Like, use your mind. If you are, number one, able to identify all of the flaws of the people of the world, and number two, fix their flaws, if you have a flaw within yourself, or flaws within yourself, fixing the entire world is not going to fix you. And this is something we have to be very, very careful about. It's like saying, I'm going to help other people in the gym, like, shoot their free throws, I'm going to be the ball boy all the time for them, and I'm going to get the ball for them, give it to them, the guy can shoot 100 free throws and perfect his game. Well, is that going to make your free throws better? No, it's not going to make your free throws better. You have to put the work in for yourself. So serving others is good, but let us not forget ourselves. Let's move on to page number 8. Page number 8 speaks about how some sins will get you in very deep trouble. Okay? And how the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is why you're in trouble. If a teacher takes you to the principal's office, if mom or dad get angry at you, put you, uh, they ground you for a while, is this because they hate you? Or because they want to fix something that's within you that needs to be fixed? What's for sure is Allah's punishment, as our scholars have mentioned, is one that stems from His mercy. All right. Now, some sins are going to be so grave and so problematic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is going to have to intervene in a certain way that is unprecedented sometimes. So to get, it, to get into those details, first let's recite the verse and then there's some Interesting things to talk about regarding Bani Israel and one of the big sins that got them in big trouble. The verse says, Whoever 
إِنَّهُ هُوَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ And recall when Musa السلام, said to his people, O oh my people, you have indeed wronged yourselves by taking up the calf for worship. Now turn penitently to your Maker. In other words, turn repentfully to your Maker, to your Creator, Allah. In other words, repent to Allah and slay each other. That will be better for you with your Maker. Then He turned to you clemently. Once you've done that, Allah will turn to you or has turned to you clemently, has accepted your repentance. Indeed, He is the All-Clement, the All-Merciful. All right. So this is a very scary verse because it shows how one can get in very deep trouble as a result of one can get into very deep trouble as a result of disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a certain way. There's two things here. Number one, the sin itself, how bad and grave it is. And number two, the circumstances of the of the sinner themselves. Sometimes you're an uneducated, let's say, Bedouin living somewhere who doesn't who barely has access to knowledge, to religion, to a prophet or an imam or whatever, or a scholar. And you make a big mistake. All right, that's all right, that is a sin at the end of the day. You probably knew that you're not supposed to do something like that. But the expectations there are much lower than if you are living with Prophet Musa السلام, and you end up worshipping a golden calf. What is wrong with you? Alright, so what's going on here? Let's talk about this. This is an unprecedented punishment that the verse is talking about that I'll get to. The Bani Israel, and this is something that I haven't seen it this being discussed too much when, it, when we talk about the sin of Bani Israel and the golden calf that they worshipped in the absence of Prophet Musa, the punishment that comes up that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, ordained for them is not something that is spoken of a lot of times. It doesn't come up too much. And I think this is the only place that we have mention of this punishment. It's here in this verse, verse 54 of Surah Baqarah, which is on page 8. They, after seeing all of the miracles of Prophet Musa, the Bani Israel, after all they've been through, after being in the presence of Prophet Musa, after being saved by Allah, after crossing that body of water and Fir'aun and his troops drowning in that water, you would expect these people to at least not make the mistake of worshipping an idol. I can understand you like can't help yourself, you have something haram, you're lazy, you don't want to pray maybe, things like that, okay, I can understand. But you don't go back to idol worship after everything Allah has done for you, everything Prophet Musa has done for you, and all these years that you've been with Prophet Musa السلام, learning from him. So the bar is pretty high, you're the chosen people, you're Banu Israel. But then Prophet Musa goes, for 40 days, 30 plus 10, the Qur'an says, which seems that at first it might have been a 30-day thing, but then Allah added 10 more days to it. And this is where maybe the people kind of you know, gave up and they're like, where is Musa, where is Musa? And so what do they do? They eventually 
resorted to idol worship. They went back to the same problem that the people of Fir'aun had, and that was the idol worship. And they worshipped that golden calf. We all know the story of that golden calf. We might get to it later as well. So this is a huge sin. Brothers and sisters, shirk and ascribing partners to Allah, Allah is that thing that the Qur'an speaks of and says, Allah forgives everything, every sin except this one. Shirk will not be forgiven. Why? Well, yeah, if someone is mushrik, then they turn Muslim. Of course, Allah will forgive that. But if you die as a mushrik, that is something the Qur'an says, I will not forgive. After you've seen the light of Islam and so on and so forth, and then now you're going to go back to shirk. This is a very, very grave sin. It is what ruins your eternal life in the hereafter. So God, as a caring mother or father would do for their child, wants to make sure that we don't ruin our future, our akhirah. So He wants to uproot this. This is not your normal everyday sin here. This was Banu Israel, who have all that knowledge now, who have been through all of what they've been through, of the miracles that they've seen, and Prophet Musa helping them, and all of that, and being with the Prophet of God. Yeah, this is them making the gravest mistake of shirk. Allah wants to uproot this sin. Doesn't want them to ever, ever think of going back to something like this. Yes. And so what happens is Allah says we have to remove this tumor. This, this cancerous tumor that has now grown amongst you of shirk. I have to remove it completely. I want to make sure you never go back to something like this because this will get you in the biggest trouble in the afterlife. And I love you so much. And I know there's no other way. When you want to remove a, a tumor, that is going to require some cutting. That is going to require maybe some pain. But it's come to this. Sometimes you prevent the tumor from forming, but once it has formed, there is no other way, right? But to remove it surgically. And that might entail some pain and hardship and discomfort, all right? So here Allah says, says, Now turn penitently to your Maker. You guys, you made this big mistake of worshipping a calf, a golden calf, well, it's time to repent to Allah. Okay, we want to repent, we want to repent, we're sorry. Well, no, 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 no. I want to make sure that this repentance is one that is never followed by going back to such a mistake because it will ruin your akhirats forever. And so the way you can repent to me regarding this one is anfusakum. You need to slay each other. What's going on here? We have a hadith by Rasulullah that Prophet Musa السلام, told them to go make ghusl, wear the shroud, the kafan, line up with swords, and you know, when I tell you, attack each other and slay each other. And as you slay each other, do this to the point that Allah reveals to me that that's enough, I am now satisfied. Now someone might say, this sounds mean, we'll talk about that. Wow! Now think about it, brothers and sisters. These are people who know each other. These are people who are friends of each other maybe. 
these are people who might be related to each other, but the divine command comes, I want you to just randomly slay each other. Now, scholars have pointed out here that this is not just a physical punishment. This is a psychological punishment too. Think about it. You're attacking someone that you love, but the only way Allah is going to forgive you is this. This is, as I said, this is unprecedented. And I don't think we ever have another case of a punishment like this coming after this either. Like it's only a one-time thing apparently that happened. But it's, a psych it's psychologically tormenting as well that you have to attack the ones that you love even. Your friends. Think about it. Just till yesterday, some of these people might have been worshipping that calf together, you know? Having a good time. We have Salat al-Jama'ah, they had Shirk al-Jama'ah, you know? And so they were worshipping this calf together, having a good time around it together and so on. They were friends, they were, they were their relatives and all that. No, 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 no. Draw a sword and just go. And think about it. If you don't slay, you're going to probably be slain. And so everyone is trying to slay the other. This is very crazy, but it's a cancerous tumor that has to be removed. It has reached this point. Did Allah, does Allah want this from the beginning? No. But in order to uproot it, there is no other choice. It was for their own good. And uh, we get a big lesson out of this. That some of these sins, when we look at them, now this one of course was the worst, but like if we're going to translate the punishment that we're supposed to get in the hereafter for it, if we translate it to this dunya and this life we're in, this is what it's going to look like. So we have to be very careful. I don't want to use the word scared, but it's okay to use it sometimes. We need to be a little scared of some of the sins that we might commit. Because if this is what they translate to, then God forbid we have to pay the price on the Day of Judgment. Think about it. Some of our sins, the kafara for them, isn't just that we ask Allah for forgiveness. Oh Allah, forgive me, I was wrong. No, no. You, For example, you broke your fast purposely. Uh, in the month of Ramadan, without any excuse, without any justification. Yeah? What's the kafara for that? Everyone knows. You have to either uh, feed 60 poor people or you have to fast 60 days. And so someone might say, but that's not fair. Like, what's going on here? Why should I have to do all of this? Well, that is what your guna, what your sin translated to. I'm sorry. So what if someone misses their salat on purpose? We don't have a kafara for that. Right? But... What we do know is that there will be a punishment for it. There might be some accountability for it on the other side. What does it look like? We don't know. So let's try our best to stay away from the sins. Yes, Allah doesn't show us what the punishment looks like. And so we also have always the opportunity to repent and to make up the past. And so we shouldn't lose hope, of course. This is for those who could care less. You know, we have to, They have to be very careful. And this will always keep us on our toes, so to speak, right? It'll keep us on our toes, so to speak, so that we're not going to let go of things. And we're always aware that, okay, there, there's always a chance that there's a huge punishment for the sin that I'm going to commit, that I'm committing, and I have to be very careful about. Now let's say, let's talk about this. Some might say that this was mean on, God, on God's part. 
Why did God do this? Well, first of all, this is not a recurring matter. It's not like God, every time someone commits a sin, is saying, okay, this is what you do, slay each other. No, no, this was a one-time thing. Just like a mother or father who will be taken out of the operation room of a hospital when the surgeons want to do surgery on their child. They know that the mother or father can't bear it. Okay, the mother and father might even stop the surgeon from doing what they're doing. Right? So they will show them the way out and they will not have them in that room. Why? Because the emotions might overtake the individual, right? Although they know what is better for that child is for that child to undergo that surgery. Something like that applies here as well. When I'm looking at it as a normal human being, I'm like, oh, you know what? I feel sorry for these people. They had to do this. They had to go through that. That's true. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He wants the best for these people. And it's reached a point where a surgery is needed. And so we can't say, oh, that's mean. No, 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 no. This is for the health of that, of that nation. And those people who did get slain, that was their tawbah. That was their tawbah. Their tawbah now, they're, they're, now they're cleansed of, what they, of, of, the, of the sin that they committed. And of course, once again, I have to reiterate, it's not like every sin we, we commit in this life, we have to undergo some form of punishment for it. Tawbah and repentance is there for a reason. Do I have to put myself through hardship and trouble and pain and suffering because I committed a sin? No. If you really want to prove yourself to Allah, repent and try your best not to redo, re recommit or redo that act. That's the way out for us. The Bani Israel though, Allah wanted to make sure they will never, ever, ever go back to that sin. And so there was no choice but to do something like this for these people who had the bless blessing and luxury of being in the presence of Prophet Musa. The expectations were high for these people. We really seek refuge in Allah from disobedience of Allah and, and sinning. Let's move on to page number nine. The grass is always greener on the other side. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. The Bani Israel, in another part of their story, after Allah has saved them, Allah blesses them with the man and salwa. Okay? This was a food that was sent to them and it was free, man. It was something they had easy access to. Think about it. Allah sends you food. <laughs> what more could you ask for, right? <laughs> what more could you ask for? Yes? What happens though, now there is difference of opinion on what this man and salwa is amongst the scholars. Some have said, you know, men was a grain that they could use to make bread for themselves, very, a very wholesome uh, carbohydrate maybe. Others have said it's a, it's a, it, was a, it was honey. Salwa, some have said it was, a, it was fowl and it was a type of a bird that um, you know, was easily caught by these people and they could easily have their protein and carbs, you know, all sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what happened after a while when they were eating this food, yes, what happened was they reached a point where they fell for this whole idea of the grass being greener 
on the other side. So let's recite the verse and talk about this a little bit. It says, verse 61 of Surah Baqarah, وَإِذْ قُلْتُمْ يَا مُوسَىٰ لَنْ نَصْبِرَ عَلَىٰ طَعَامٍ وَاحِدٍ فَادْعُ لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُخْرِجْ لَنَا مِمَّا تُنْبِتُ الْأَرْضُ مِنْ بَقْلِهَا وَقِثَّائِهَا وَفُومِهَا وَعَدَسِهَا وَبَصَلِهَا قَالَ أَتَسْتَبْدِلُونَ الَّذِي هُوَ أَدْنَى بِالَّذِي هُوَ خَيْرٍ اِهْبِطُوا مِصْرًا فَإِنَّ لَكُمْ مَا سَأَلْتُمْ وَضُرِبَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ الذِّلَّةُ وَالْمَسْكَنَةُ وَبَاءُوا بِغَضَبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يَكْفُرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ وَيَقْتُلُونَ النَّبِيِّينَ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْا وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ And when you said, O Moses, we will not put up with one kind of food, so invoke your Lord for us. You know, call your Lord, ask Him for us. Ask what? That He may bring forth for us of that which the earth grows, its greens and its cucumbers, its garlic, its lentils and its onions. He said, do you seek to replace what is superior with that which is inferior? You're asking for something that's uh, worse instead of what you have that is better? Go down to any town and you will indeed get what you ask for. So they were struck with abasement and poverty, and they earned Allah's wrath. That because they would defy the signs of Allah and kill the prophets unjustly. That because they would disobey and used to commit transgression. Yes. Alright, so these people, their mistake was that Allah had blessed them with something that they didn't know the value of. They took it for granted. And us as Muslims as well, we have to be super careful about this to acknowledge, first of all, the blessings of Allah upon us, right? Allah has created us such, of course, that we are always after more, right? We want something better. The problem is the something better that you and I are after, that is in the Akhirah. <laughs> Allah has put that in us according to our scholars so that we, we seek eternity, we seek infinity from Allah. And that happens in the Akhirah. Some people, what they try to do is seek it here in this dunya. So what happens is Allah has blessed you with something that you can get by with. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's the best thing that you could ask for. You don't know the value of it, you take it for granted. What happens in the end? In the end, you do something, sometimes you yourself are the one behind it, which causes you to lose that blessing. Brothers and sisters, nothing in this life is perfect and the grass is always greener on the other side. What we need to do is we need to figure out what blessings Allah has given us. And if you think about it, what the Qur'an tells us will come to mind, وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا If you want to count Allah's blessings on you, you won't be able to count them. Right? The problem is we've grown used to the blessings Allah has given us. This, these eyes that I have, for example, I won't know the value of them because I've gotten used to them. The only time I know their value is when I lose it. And when that's, that's, that's when it's too late. And Bani Israel. This is what happened to them, like 
the Quran is telling us they were struck with abasement and poverty. Now, is it because only they asked for this that they got in trouble? No, the verse goes on to say that they earned Allah's wrath. Why? Because they would defy the signs of Allah and they would kill the, the prophets of God unjustly. Some hadiths tell us, or this is in Nahjul Balagha actually, Imam Ali tells us that the people of Bani Israel, sometimes in the morning they would kill prophets of God and they would go to the market and the bazaar as if, and, and do their work there as if nothing has happened. SubhanAllah. So this is what brought about Allah's wrath. But look at the characteristic that we have to be careful about so that we don't follow those footsteps. It's the fact that we are not grateful for what Allah has given us. We're always looking to what others have. And so what are they asking for? All that free uh, chicken and bread that they had or whatever man and salwa exactly is, they wanted to exchange it for what? For garlic, lentils, onions, greens and cucumbers. Who does that? <laughs> and so God said, all right, I was providing freely to you all of this good stuff. You want something else? Go find it yourselves in some town or city. And so two verses I want to share with you here that really shake us and remind us that look, when Allah is planning for you, you do what you got to do, but in the end, remember your blessings. There are some things that you might feel aren't the best thing, but they are the best thing for you and vice versa. Some things you might feel is the worst thing for you, but it's actually good for you. Surah Nisa verse 19 says, Asa an takrahu shay'an Allahu fihi khayran kathira that there, there's always this chance of something being, uh, something being, something you not liking something, excuse me, you not liking something, while Allah has put khayran kathira, a lot of good in it for you. Or Surah Baqarah, verse 216, Sometimes you might dislike something while it is better for you. And sometimes you might like something or be after something while it is not good for you. Like how many times does Allah have to say this to us? Allah knows and you don't know. So brothers and sisters, this is something that has to echo in our ears, in our minds a lot. This verse and verses like these, that we don't follow the footsteps of Banu Israel in this regard as well. We always think that to make life sweeter, what we have to do is we have to add more and more. So they were having men and salwa, two things, right? But then they asked for more. They're like lentils, garlic, onions, cucumbers, greens, this kind of stuff. We want that stuff. We want more. Well, sometimes less is more. And that is something that we have hadith for. That don't think adding more and more is what's going to make life sweeter. As a matter of fact, lessening the burdens, decreasing those attachments, that is what makes life sweeter. We have a hadith here by Imam Ali salam. It says, Ahnal Aish. The sweetest life and way of life and lifestyle is what? Is to shed baggage, to shed burden. 
the more brothers and sisters we add to our lives, the more baggage comes with it. The more baggage, we've all, we've all flown here and there. Don't you love it when you don't have baggage? Why? Because it's less burden. The more baggage, the more burden. Now, yes, this doesn't mean adding things to our life is a bad thing necessarily. No, I mean, you know, as our families grow, as we grow, we need more and more things, and that's fine. But sometimes more is not necessarily necessary, yet we want more. Well, with more comes more baggage. Yeah, And so we're after a sweeter life while we are actually forgetting that the less we have, the less we have to worry, the less burden there is, and so on and so forth. I really find this hadith very like inspiring, and I think there's a big lesson in it for all of us. This is something to be very, very cognizant of, that the grass is always greener on the other side. Stick with what you've got. Try to live a, a good life, you know, and don't think that there is some perfection out there that you have to always run after. You won't find it here. It's for the other side in the Akhirah, inshaAllah ta'ala. Let's move on to slide uh, to page number ten and uh, pages ten and eleven actually of Suratul Baqarah. And this is where you will have the story of the cow of Bani Israel. That pretty yellow cow that eventually they had to uh, slaughter and uh, and go find first of all and then slaughter, okay? These people, well first things first, let's talk about, um, let's talk about how this surah is named after this cow, okay? This surah is named after this cow, why? There's a big lesson in it for all of us that we're going to get to inshallah, we'll talk about that. Banu Israel, they have a huge history, okay? And we do have hadith that the Muslim Ummah has to be careful not to become like the Bani Israel. One of those big lessons from them and their life and their history is the story of the cow, what happened in it, and what price they had to pay as a result of not being interested in just fulfilling God's commands the way He wants them. So let's read the verse or the verses. And these verses, they go through page 10 and 11. So I brought them as one lesson. Um, but yeah, they go through pages 10 and 11. So let's actually read those and then we'll talk about this lesson that they had or that we take from their story. It says, وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَنْ تَذْبَحُوا بَقَرَةً قَالُوا أَتَتَّخِذُنَا هُزُوًا قَالَ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ قَالُوا ادْعُ لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُبَيِّنْ لَنَا مَا هِي قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ لَا فَارِضٌ وَلَا بِكْرٌ عَوَانٌ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ فَافْعَلُوا مَا تُؤْمَرُونَ قَالُوا ادْعُ لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُبَيِّنْ لَنَا مَا لَوْنُهَا قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ صَفْرَاءُ فَاقِعٌ لَوْنُهَا تَسُرُّ النَّاظِرِينَ قَالُوا ادْعُ لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُبَيِّنْ لَنَا مَا هِيَ إِنَّ الْبَقَرَةَ شَابَهَ عَلَيْنَا 
وإنا إن شاء الله لمهتدون قال إنه يقول إنها بقرة لا ذلول تثير الأرض ولا تسقي الحرث مسلمة لا شية فيها قالوا الآن جئت بالحق فذبحوها وما كادوا يفعلون These are verses 67 to 71 of Surah Baqarah. Translation says, And when Moses said to his people, Indeed, Allah commands you to slaughter a cow. They said, Are you kidding us? He said, I seek Allah's protection, lest I should be one of the senseless. In other words, no, I'm not kidding around here. I'm, I'm pretty serious, actually, and I seek refuge in Allah to be one of these people who when something important is spoken of, they're silly and they're, and, and they're joking around. No, that's senseless. And I seek refuge from Allah from that. They said, invoke your Lord for us that he may clarify for us what she may be. All right, so he said, slaughter a cow. These people are asking details. He said, he says that Allah says that she is a cow neither old nor young, of a middle age. Now do what you're commanded. Like, stop putting it off. <laughs> They said, invoke your Lord for us that he may clarify for us what her color may be. He said, he says, she is a cow that is yellow, of a bright color, pleasing to the onlookers. When people look at it, they're like, wow, that's beautiful. They said, invoke your Lord for us that he may clarify for us what she may be. Indeed, all cows are much alike to us. And if Allah wishes, we will surely be guided. Insha'Allah, that we will, insha'Allah, do this. Lamuhtadun, we'll be guided and we'll know exactly what God wants from us. So this is one of those insha'Allahs, you know, that uh, it's one of those insha'Allahs that your mom or dad tell you when they don't want to do something. <laughs> They're like, insha'Allah, we'll do this, you know. Anyway. He said, he says, she is a cow not broken to till the earth or to water the tillage, sound and without blemish, like perfectly healthy, no blemishes on it, like it's just a smooth yellow color, no dots or spots on it. So Banu Israel, now they say, they said, now have you come up with the truth? Now you did it the way you were supposed to. You told us exactly what we need to do. And they slaughtered it, though they were about not to do it. Alright, so that's <laughs> that's horrible. So what's going on here is we can tell this wasn't your normal, hey, can we can you tell us the details of what God wants from us? They were procrastinating, they were putting it off, they didn't want to do it. What's the story though? Let's talk about the story first. The story goes like this that one of the Bani Israel was mysteriously killed. And they go to Prophet Musa asking him, Prophet Musa, like, figure out who it was who killed this, killed this individual. Or ask your Lord to let us know who it was so that we can retaliate. Right? So what was the answer that Musa gave them? He said, your Lord says, slaughter a cow. They're like, whoa, are you kidding? Slaughter a cow? Like, what's that have to do with anything? Look, do you believe that this is a prophet of God? One. Two, you've approached him at, to ask his Lord for something. Three, he has asked his Lord and he's saying, Allah is ordering you to kill a cow. What do you mean? Are you kidding? Are you joking? This is very serious. This is what Allah has said. How dare you question Allah? 
on this by accusing me of joking around with you. Nobody joking around here. So the story goes on. I mean, once they slaughtered that cow, you know, they used a part of that cow, the Quran says this as well, to touch it to the person that had been killed. And that person got up, came back to life miraculously, pointed out who his killer was. And they were able to probably retaliate and do qisas, as, as they say. All right, but that's not the point here. This surah is named after the cow. It's talking about the cow of Bani Israel. What lesson, what's going on here? What lesson can we take? The first thing I want to say is, question. When Prophet Musa came back to these people and said, God says slaughter a cow. If they had just gone to some any cow, old, young, sick, healthy, um, I don't know, nice colored, yellow, spotted, black, white, she, he, like whatever, a female cow, male cow, anything would have worked, right? Would it have counted? Yeah, because he said, slaughter a cow. End of story. They didn't do that. By trying to find a way out, and this is the problem here, and us reading these verses, these are the lessons we have to take. Instead of trying to find a way out, trying to find excuses, trying to ask too many questions when we don't need to. Sometimes you need to, that's a different story. But when you don't need to, yeah, instead of doing all of that, just do the easy command God has given you. And when they asked the first time, it narrowed down the cow to a certain type of cow. Then they asked another question, narrowed it down more, narrowed it down more, narrowed it, narrowed it down more till it reached the point where the cow that they were after, there's only one of it in the like entire world or in, in that region that they were living in. And according to the hadiths, this cow belonged to a person who had respected his father very greatly. And some of you might have heard this story before. Had shown respect to his father very greatly and Allah blessed him in this way that the cow the Bani Israel now had to find that is not broken to till the earth or to water the tillage who is yellow with no blemishes that pleases the onlookers and is of a middle age nor, nor old nor young all of this all of this can be found only in his cow. And so they had to spend a lot of money to buy this cow from him. And so the, the Prophet ﷺ has been narrated to say that he said, Look at birr and righteousness, especially to your parents. How it can get you to places, how it can do you wonders, that Allah will make sure that you have the cow that thereafter and of course, when there's, when there's something out there that's one of a kind, is limited edition. This was a limited edition cow, right? People will pay big bucks for it. They'll pay big money for it. And so he was blessed in this way, right? Now, going back to the lesson though, the lesson wasn't this one. That is something on the side, the parents, and how when, you're, when you do righteous things and you show the respect where you're supposed to, Allah will bless you. Going back to the lesson though, the lesson is this. 
we will sometimes make things harder for ourselves because of our laziness, because of our procrastination, because of our excuses. Let's not let that happen. Because you see, once again, this was sort of a punishment for them. The fact that they kept asking questions to get away from this obligation got them deeper and deeper and deeper in trouble. Instead of being lazy, you and I, and putting off the Salat until it accumulates where I can't even make it up anymore in my lifetime. Or, for example, not fasting when I can, although it's going to be a little hard, but I'm just too lazy. Yeah, And allowing the kafara for that to accumulate more and more to the point where I feel like I just can't do this. Yeah, Instead of doing that, just get the job done from the get-go. Get the job done from the get-go so that I don't get in big trouble, just like the Bani Israel did, where they narrowed it down to, instead of being able to slaughter one of millions of cows, they can only slaughter a cow that is one in a million. Yeah, so there's a lot to take away from this story and to think about when it comes to this story. All right, let's move on to page number 12. Don't worry about the hellfire. Really? Don't worry about the hellfire? Like, what are we talking about here? Are we, are we serious? All right, so what's going on here? <laughs> What's going on here is that verses tell us that there are some people out there who, unfortunately, will think that, okay, you know, the hellfire is just like any other hardship that you might go through, right? And uh, we should, uh, we can suck it up and, you know, take the pain for a while and then, you know, all will be, all will be well after that, right? If we're going to commit sins in this life, don't worry about it. The fire will touch us just a little bit. And then once we're done, we'll go to Jannah. So is that a valid statement to make or not? Let's see. But first, let's, uh, let's read the Arabic of the verse. It says, وَقَالُوا This is verse 80. وَقَالُوا لَن تَمَسَّنَا النَّارُ إِلَّا أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودًا قُلْ أَتَّخَذْتُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَهْدًا فَلَنْ يُخْلِفَ اللَّهُ عَهْدًا أَمْ تَقُولُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ And they say, the fire shall not touch us except for a number of days. Don't worry about it. Say, have you taken a promise from Allah? Are you sure? Only a couple of days? That's it? If so, Allah shall never break His promise. In other words, if you have such a promise from God, okay, no problem. You'll, the fire will, will only touch you a few days. But when did God promise you that? <laughs> he never promised you anything like that. If so, Allah shall never break His promise. Or do you ascribe to Allah what you do not know? Something that you're just making up. This is something that's made up. Maybe you feel like maybe this is the case, but that's not, that's not yaqeen and conviction. That's not something you know for a fact. So you're going to be in actually in trouble, maybe, if this is not the case. You got to be very careful about this, people. It's, it's just sad. It's just sad how some people look at things. All right. Let's talk about this a little bit. Um, and how 
you know, some of us might make such a mistake with other aspects. First of all, I have to say this. Even a few days, let's just say it was true, that, if, that, that fire will only touch us for a few days. Well, gosh, this is not like, you know, getting an injection or something where you're like, you know what, I'll suck it up and it'll be over before I know it. No, no, even a little bit of it is unbearable. Like, think about it. This, uh, the verses of um, Surah Ma'arij, verses 11 to 14, they really scare us. What do they say? It says, يَوَدُّ الْمُجْرِمُ لَوْ يَفْتَدِي مِنْ عَذَابِ يَوْمَئِذٍ بِبَنِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَأَخِيهِ وَفَصِيلَتِهِ الَّتِي تُؤْوِيهِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ يُنْجِيهِ Like, no, this is what it's all about. You can't bear the fire of the hereafter, even for a little bit. Why? It says when, the, when they see the fire, you know what they say? They're not like, oh, we'll suck it up or anything. No, no, that's not what they say. They say that we're willing to sacrifice our children, our spouses, our brothers, our, my brother, I'm willing to give my brother, and my kin, my whole relatives and family, my clan, my tribe, who would give me shelter and refuge in the dunya. I'm willing to sacrifice all of them. Let all of them go to Jahannam if that's going to save me from Jahannam. I'm willing to sacrifice everybody. Even if I'm all alone in Jannah, it's fine. It's all worth it for me. Come on, brothers and sisters. Like This person who says fire will touch us for a number of days, who are they kidding? If this is how it is, even if it was the case, that it's going to touch them for a few days. They're willing to sacrifice everyone. Oh, excuse me, I, 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 my their relatives and their tribe, women fil ardi jamian, and everyone on the face of the earth, so that they can be saved. That's what they're. That's what's. That's what's going on here, which reminds me of a friend I had years ago, many many years ago. I don't know where he is actually now because. Um, he wasn't in the Hawza, he was somewhere else that I had met him, and he said this thing to me once. <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm willing to make the sacrifice of going to Jahannam if it's going to get everyone else to go to Jannah. I was like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about, because <laughs> the verses of the Qur'an are saying the exact opposite. They're saying that you'll be willing to throw everyone in Jahannam so you can get out. I'm sorry. So God save us from that, and God save us from this mentality and ideology that, oh, it's going to just, you know, it's going to be a few days and it'll be over. Even if it is, you can't bear it. So the better approach to have here, instead of trying to fix it by saying, oh, it's going to be a few days, is to say, oh Allah, I do tawbah from whatever I've done that's wrong and I'm going to try to my best to fix it. That's the way to go. Tawbah, we talked about this before. Tawbah is the way to go. Not to say, oh, you know what, let's just continue this way of life that we have and, you know, it's going to be only a few days, but... The verse is saying more than this even. The verse is saying, Wait a minute. Let's just say the fire is bearable for a few days. Let's just say that's true, which it's not. Is this something that you have been guaranteed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah has promised you? Yeah. If Allah has promised you such a thing, He will never go against His word. But the problem is, you're just making stuff up that you're not even sure about. Who says you're going to only be there for a few days? We don't know. 
All we know is that our bad deeds will have severe consequences and we need to be very careful and do repentance if we ever um, commit sins. And that we should never lose hope, of course, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't be too scared as if you, there's no hope, brothers and sisters. That's not something we're talking about here. Have hope, but not too much hope like these guys did. Saying that, you know, it's going to touch us only a little bit. No, 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 no. You got too much hope, my friend. It reminds me of something I've heard people say every now and then. That we're going to be, we're going to do stuff, you know, whatever we want. And then we'll repent later before we leave this dunya, before we die. All right, well, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. But once again, has anyone guaranteed you that you're going to live till you're old and then you can uh, repent? Has anyone guaranteed you that you're going to make it to 30 or 40 years old, Mr. 25-year-old? Has anyone guaranteed you you're going to be alive next year? Has anyone guaranteed you you're going to be alive tomorrow? If there was a guarantee, then yeah. Leave it for when you're 50, 60 years old. But there ain't no guarantee for nobody. And so this is the part that we got to be very careful about. We can't fool ourselves, brothers and sisters. If we're going to fool ourselves, we're going to pay. No one else is going to pay the price on the Day of Judgment. We're going to pay the price on the Day of Judgment. We seek refuge from Allah. We seek refuge in Allah from that. And the only way to fix something like that is to continuously recite Qur'an and see how Allah is teaching us. Allah says, look, you, me you messed up, it's fine, repent. But don't you ever have too much hope such that you're going to let go of things and do whatever you like thinking that, oh, we're good, we're set. That is never the case. There is no guarantee at all. Allah is going to make, make sure that He keeps us like a treadmill, always moving. Not stopping and thinking we're good because we're going to fall off. And if you fall off a treadmill, it's going to be painful. It's going to be problematic. Inshallah, Allah gives us that tawfiq. And with that, we will end session number two on page number 12. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma nawwir qulubana bil Qur'an wa zayyan akhlaqana bil Qur'an wa najna min al-nari bil qur'ani wa adkhilna al-jannata bil qur'an allahumma ij'al al-qur'ana lana fi dunya qarina wa fi al-qabr munisan wa 'ala as-sirat nura wa fi al-jannati rafiqa wa min al-nari sitran wa hijaba wa ila al-khayrati kullaha dalila bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh